Oh, yeah. There's reasons why God didn't duplicate me. <laughs> I think the angels were, whoops. <laughs> it's all right, Lord. You can, you can do it better than that. Let's try again. Okay. Well, it's good to be here. And um, Mary, we had, I, had a, I was in, um, where was I? I was in Holland. Anybody been in Holland? Oh, Holland's the most beautiful country. So beautiful there. You know that in 1600, the tulips, uh, some of the tulips w- would sell for five years' wages. You can't even eat them. What a waste of money. Why would you buy a tulip you can't even eat? Just so. And uh, well, we have Todd and Jackie and Tom here. Would you guys stand? We just bless them. So excited for you guys to be here. Todd's going to be sharing tonight. You're sharing tonight, right? We're excited for you to share. Better be good. <laughs> Did I hit you with it? You're supposed to catch it, baby. Why don't you grab a hand? And uh, if you're watching by Bethel TV, you can grab the hand of the person next to you if you're somebody in the room. And if you just want to date the person next to you, just squeeze their hand. It's that's yes, just squeeze back. Okay, this is the most exciting time for the single people, so please don't despise the day of small beginnings. Okay, let go of hands and we'll pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing here today. We, we bless what you're doing here today. We thank you for what you're doing here today. And Father, we pray that you would equip us for every good work in Christ. Amen. I want to talk about stewarding your, your gift. Stewarding your personal gift. And if you'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, this will be the main text for our, our morning. You know, in fact, let's just read it first. Verse uh, 12, we're going to start at verse 12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example for those who believe. Verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery or the elders. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress may be evident to everyone. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. You know, um, I I love this because Paul is talking to Timothy about taking an account for his ability. How many know accountability is an account for your ability? That's why it's called accountability. It's not account disability. I remember years ago, I um, had... Uh, some disciples, some guys I was discipling. And by the way, how many know that Jesus never raised up Christians? He only raised up disciples. The word Christian was, Christians were, believers were first called Christians in Antioch and probably by their enemies and not their friends. So Jesus didn't raise up Christians. He didn't say, he didn't call people Christians who followed him. He called them disciples. The nature of a disciple is that what? You're disciplined. It comes from the word discipline. You you have disciplined your life towards, for, towards God. And so and we had this group, and we read this book, really good book by a very famous person in the, in the 1800s who used to gather, they'd gather you know, their, their guys, their disciples, and they would open their meetings by confessing their sins. And so we're like, we read that book, we're like, that's what we should do, you know. 
And so we would go around the circle, and there was about 12 or 14 of us, and we would open by confessing the sins we committed that week. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it, wasn't like, it wasn't like exciting. It was, it was kind of like being at an AA meeting. You know, my name is Chris Valentin, and I'm a sinner. And here's the sin. And, you know, and there was a lot of pressure to think of ones. If you hadn't, because you don't want to be, everyone's confessing your sin. You're like, yeah, I haven't committed one this week. They're like, you know you're a sinner. You know, so there was a lot of pressure to come up with one. You know, it's like, if you, if you didn't do anything wrong, at least you had, you had a wrong thought. Like, I had a bad thought this week. I, it was a very bad one. I don't want to tell you what it was, but it was evil, very evil. Okay. And, you know, and it just, like, it, it became our culture for about a year. It became our culture. And, and, and thankfully, we, we came out of that. But, you know, I don't want to be a part of a culture where we're looking for what's wrong with one another. Like, I want to be a part of a culture where we're actually holding people accountable to, for the goodness, the godness, the gifts that God's given them. And I believe very much in accountability, and everybody on the front row knows that. Like, I'm very accountable myself, and I believe in, you know, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, faith for the wounds of a friend. I believe very much in, have, in being accountable for your character. But I, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I use salt, but I don't go to a restaurant because of their salt. I don't want salt to be the main meal. I don't want to create a culture out of an exception, is my point. I, I want a culture that when I step into the culture, I'm actually accountable for the gifts God has given me, not for the dysfunction in my life. And so, you know, we, you, we, you, we get up every morning, and you're probably like me. We get up and we, you know, spend about an hour getting ready for work, right? And I got up last night before I, I, I um, before this morning, I got ready last night. I, I put five shirts out. You know, I didn't know what color mood I'd be in, so I got, I ironed five shirts, got them all ready, actually steamed them, got them all ready, you know, got my pants. And every, I got everything all set out, you know, and, and, and if I'm not in a blue mood, then I, I might be in a gray mood. So I put up, you know, I put a couple coats up there, tried them on, you know, and then you might be, you know, you might be bloated in the morning, so that might be a black. You might need black in the morning sometimes because you can go to bed gray, but then you need black. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I spend a lot of time trying to look good, right? I mean, everybody tries to look good. Like, and, and then we say things like, I don't care what people think about me. You spend an hour trying to make sure you look good. Stop. We all know it. And, and I'm like, and I'm good with that. Like, you know, I mean, and some of you are like, I didn't get ready. I'm like, we know, we smell it. <laughs> oh, that was bad. I shouldn't have said that. It's dreamy. But anyway... <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is we spend an hour proactively getting ready. In my case, I thought about what I'm going to wear the next day. I get it all ready because I don't want to, at 5 o'clock in the morning, try to think of if I'm bloated or not, of where, my, where that shirt is. So I'm like, I, I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how I'm going to look tomorrow. Are you with me? What, what, what would happen if we spent 10 minutes every day thinking about the kingdom within us? When Paul writes to Timothy, he says, you've been given gifts. The presbytery laid hands on you, and they released gifts on you. And Tim, I want you to do something with the gifts, and I want you to be so good at doing something with what you got. I want everybody to go, Tim's progressing. Have you noticed Tim lately? I mean, his preaching gift's gotten so much better. And that, that thing he's got that, that they told him about, that thing that he was going to do, he, did you notice how many people are being touched by that? And what I'm getting at is that he was being held accountable for the impartation that was released to him. And I'm saying, what would happen in your life? I don't even want to ask you this, but 
I bet you half the people in this room are bored. How do you get bored when God's in you? I'll tell you how you get, how you get bored. You don't pay attention to the God in you. You pay attention to what people think about you. How do I know that? Because I'm married to Kathy. <laughs> bad. I was just being funny. And my point is that we're being, we're responsible for ourselves. In, um, in 1 Samuel 30, it's the story of the Amalekites carrying off all of David's men's wives and sons and daughters. Do you remember this? And David comes home from this battle, which they won, and all their family's gone. And it says this in verse 6, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But listen to this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's a great title for a book. I might might write that book. (laughs) Strengthen yourself in the Lord. And the point I'm making is this. Is that David didn't whine and cry. David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know, I think that the two... You know, in my experience, I've done lots and lots of deliverances. And there's two main reasons why I see Christians oppressed by demonic spirits. The first one is unforgiveness. And the second one is self-pity. I think self-pity is the most culturally... um, I think people accepted, yeah, most culturally accepted sin in the body of Christ. And, and, you know, and there's people in here, like, you you were a victim. Like, you you were raped or you were molested. Some terrible thing happened. I'm, I'm not being, you know, I'm not saying that doesn't deserve... Sympathy and the fact that you were actually a victim. I'm talking about a victim mentality. I'm talking about that, like, I'm powerless, you know, everything's bad, you know, nobody loves me. It's like, you take responsibility for you and strengthen yourself in the Lord. And and most of us, we come to this place and, and we're like, wow, this place is so amazing. Well, this place was built by a man who, who, who suffered from depression and said, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And he began to carry, in those days, his prophetic words in journals, literally in binders. I would travel with him, and he had this big binder with him, and I'm like, I think it's his teaching notes, and I think he doesn't use notes. I'm like, what are those things? He's like, those are my prophecies. I read them over myself every day. <laughs> and how many you know that you attract whatever you value? I've noticed that, you know, in 10 years into knowing Bill, I noticed that he's actually writing down people's testimonies. He's repeating the testimonies. I'm like, and I'm saying, it didn't, like, he didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'll build a culture of testimony and prophecy. He was doing it for his own life. He was strengthening himself so he would stop being a victim and start being a victor. And what happened is he created a whole culture for us. Out of his weakness, he became strong. Are you with me? You can do it too. What are you going through? I don't know. But how many know you need this sandwich? You need, what are your testimonies? What has happened in your life? What are your God stories? And then what are your prophecies? What is God saying about your future? Are you following me? So I, I refuse to be a victim. In 1 Timothy 18, Paul said, This I command and entrust you, Timothy. In accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, with them you fight the good fight. What are you going through? I bet you in this room, there's, and, and by people watching, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of challenges in this room. How many know the difference between a challenge and a problem is whether you've remembered your prophecies? And Paul says to Timothy, take the prophecies that were given you, and with them fight the good fight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. How many understand that prophecy is a powerful weapon that destroys evil castles? And the evil castles are, listen to this, thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. Well, what, what, if, what if the crazy North Korean dictator pushes the button? What if the bomb falls on me? What if, well, what, if, what did God say about America? What did God say about you? In other words, when odd stuff starts to feed my mind and I start to get anxious, I say, okay, let's stop. Stop the world and let me get into the kingdom. What did God say about America? What did God say about my life? What did he say about my children? And I begin to recount the words of God. Are you with me? I fight speculation, the what ifs, with what God says. Well, what if, but what if God said? I know, it's a good word. Better than your response. That's all right. Too late. I encouraged myself in the Lord already before I came in here. Like this is the third time I've encouraged myself in the Lord already. Israel was going through a very difficult time and they were terrified. And I, I love Isaiah's response. Verse 10 of chapter 41 of Isaiah. He writes this. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be anxious or look around you for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing, and they will perish. You will, you will seek those who quarrel with you, and you'll not find them. Those who war against you will be nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand and says to you, Don't be afraid, I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob. I love that part. He calls him Jacob instead of Israel. Do not fear, you worm Jacob. You men of Israel, I will help you, declares the Lord. For your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I have made you a new, sharp, threshing sludge with double edges. And you will thresh the mountains and pulverize them. And you will make the hills like shaft. And you will whittle them out, and the wind will carry them away, and the storm will scatter them. But you will rejoice in the Lord, and you will glory in the Holy One of Israel. Their enemies are surrounding them. They're terrified. And, Israel, and, and Isaiah says, I got a word for you. Here's the word. You're going to look around your enemies. You're going to be no more. You're going to even look to find them. They're going to be gone. They're going to scatter. They're going to disappear. They're going to vaporize. And everyone who contends with you is going to contend with me. And they will be nothing. They'll be put to shame. Listen, don't be afraid. I've made you like a double War, I've made you like a war axe, double-edged. You're going to pulverize the mountains. He's talking about authorities, principalities, and powers. Don't worry about those guys. I've made you like a sledgehammer. You're going to break through those guys. You're going to whittle them out. The wind's going to blow them away. Stop being worried, you worm. <laughs> this is... Are you with me? Like, sometimes we just need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Sometimes we just need to be accountable for our gifts. Sometimes we need to say to ourselves, stop being afraid. David, I love when David spoke to his soul. He's like, soul, why are you in distress? <laughs> I love it. And his soul talks back and like, we're scared. <laughs> like, trust in God. Think about God. Think about all. And David would begin to recount. And they crossed the, the Red Sea on dry land. They crossed the River Jordan. And he quotes these miracles of God. And he goes, if God was with them, then God's with us. We're going to make it. This is what we need to do. We need to grow up. Point two. We receive gifts through impartation. Paul said to Timothy, something powerful. 
It's okay, I got it. Do not neglect the spiritual gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Take pains with these things. In other words, labor until you wake up in the morning and you're sore from the hard work. Like, take pains with these things. Make sure that you do them so that you all, everyone sees that you're growing. Remember he says, don't look down on youthfulness. He's not talking about like, hey, don't look down on me. I'm actually older than you. There isn't too many people who look down on my youthfulness. <laughs> Maybe Bill. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1 verse 11 says this. says, I long to come to you, Paul writes to the Romans, that I might impart a spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. Think about this. Romans is probably the most theologically profound book in the entire New Testament besides the Gospels that Jesus spoke. I mean, he's, right, he's about to write them 16 profound chapters. And he says this in his opening statement. I long to come to you that I might impart a spiritual gift to you that you may be established. The word established there is a Greek word that means can stand in the storm. Do you know what he just said? You can't stand in the storm and when you finish this book, you still won't be able to stand. You know why? Because I haven't imparted anything to you. There are some things you can't get through the internet. There's some things you can't get on Bethel TV. You can't get it from a book. You can't get it from anything except for someone who has gifts that they can actually give to you. Listen, I love technology. I'm not the anti-technology guy. I actually started Bethel Media, so I kind of like it. But people write me all the time. I bet they do to some of you too, and they say, Oh, I'm over here in such and such place, and you're my pastor. I'm your pastor? No, no, I could be your teacher. Paul said, you may have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And people watch by Bethel TV, and they're like, you're my leader, you're my pastor. I'm like, you have a virtual leader and virtual fellowship on virtual church with virtually nobody. And we listen to the best speakers in the world, right? I mean, YouTube, you don't even have to go anywhere. I mean, sit in your house and you hear the best preaching. You can put it on your big screen TV and hear people preaching up there. And, you know, it's all edited and it's the best preaching in the world. They edit all their mistakes out and their cuss words. And you're like, you're listening to the best message ever. And you're like, and you're and like, I listened to five of them. I went to church five times today. No, you didn't. You just heard messages. And we are enamored with knowing stuff we can't ever do. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, you receive a prophet, help me, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What is a prophet's reward? Have you ever thought of that? What is a prophet? I'd like to get a prophet's reward. I'm a prophet and I'd like to get the reward. By the way, if I have a reward, I ain't giving it to you. Just want to make that clear. Let me read you a couple more verses before I answer that question. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes this. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, listen to this, of God's grace, which he gave to me for you. Let me just repeat this line. You've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that he gave me for you. Are you with me? In other words, how many of you know what it is to steward money? Right? Some, a bunch of you have raised your hand. You're like, I can't honestly say I know about that. 
we're broke all the time. I know what it is to not have money, but be a steward of it. Not really. How many of you know what it means to steward money? I mean, you may not be good at it, but you know what it means. Paul said, I'm a steward of grace, but it's not for me. I'm stewarding it for you. I'm stewarding grace for you. In, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, why don't you turn there? I'm sorry, we have lots of scriptures this morning. I've been using the Bible more often. <laughs> verse 7, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Follow me. To each one of us, say it, grace was given. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Try again. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, we're going to skip down to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. To do what? To equip the saints to do the work of service. To equip the saints to do the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. What did, what did we receive? We received apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What did they give us? To each one of us, help me, grace was given. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, do you understand that there are nine spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12? We call those the gifts of the Spirit. Some people think there's only nine. I think there's a lot more, but the point is, is that there's nine named. So we have gifts of the Spirit. How many understand that the fivefold gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, are not gifts of the Holy Spirit? They are gifts of Jesus. What do those gifts do? They equip the saints. Are you with me? What do they equip the saints with? What says to each one of us what? Grace was given. Okay, now, Romans 12, verse 6 says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them according to the level of his faith. Let me say it again. Since we have gifts, everybody say gifts, that differ, everybody say differ, according to the grace, everybody say grace, given to us, let each of us exercise them according to the proportion of his faith. Are you with me? Okay, in that verse, what do we learn? We learn that we have gifts, right? And they're different according to what? Grace. And we're supposed to exercise them according to what? The proportion of our faith. Are you with me? Okay, let's go back. So, if you receive a prophet, and the name of a prophet, you receive what? A prophet's reward. What is a prophet's reward? I propose to you that a prophet's reward is grace. What does grace do? It equips you. With what? Gifts. Okay, think of it this way. There's a, let's pretend there's a soda fountain here, and there's five flavors. There's root beer, Coca-Cola, orange, Dr. Pepper. There's no diet. <laughs> Diet's like false prophet. <laughs> you all understand that, right? And so, so they all have in common, they all have soda water in common. But the flavor is determined by the fountain. Are you with me? So if I come to the pastor fountain, I'm going to get pastoral grace. What's it going to do? It's going to give me what? Since we have gifts that differ according to grace. Ephesians 4, I mean, yes, 4, 7 says that each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
What are Christ's gifts? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. What are we receiving from them? Grace. What is grace doing? It's giving me gifts. What kind of gifts? Well, that depends on the fountain. So if I come to the pastor fountain, I'm not getting prophetic grace. Prophetic grace is the reward of the prophet. If I receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then I receive what? Grace. What does grace do? Okay, get this. What does grace do? It gives me gifts. Grace gives me the ability to do what I couldn't do one second before I, heard, before I received grace. Okay, so grace isn't just undeserved favor. Grace is the operational power of God. Are you following me? I, I've told this story many times. It's one of my favorite. There was a uh, pastor brought five of his leaders, actually ten of his leaders, five couples, to our um, leaders advance many years ago. And the pastor said, hey, can you pray for my team? I'm like, yeah. So I, I was praying for the first couple, husband and wife. And I said to the woman, the wife, I said, I see you playing guitar, writing songs, and, and uh, leading worship. And she immediately stopped me. And she said, that's not me. That's, that's my husband. My husband's the worship leader in our church. I said, lady, shut up. <laughs> she said, I'm tone deaf. I said, lady, shut up. I said, you know what prophecy is? She said, I guess I don't. I said, prophecy is foretelling, I'm telling you the future, and foretelling, I'm causing the future. I said, if you receive a prophet, the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. But how many know the value you place on the word determines the power you receive from the word? So, I, so she goes, do me again. So I said, <laughs> I see you playing guitar, right? It was a lot longer than this, but you get the idea. So about know, nine, ten months later, right in the back, she comes up and she says, hey, do you remember me in the aisle back there? And I said, no, I don't. She said, you prophesied over me about nine months ago. I said, I honestly don't remember. But you told me to shut up. I said, oh, I remember you. <laughs> And she said, you said that I, you said I was going to write songs, play guitar. And I said, yeah, and you're going to lead worship. I remember that. She, and she said, yeah, do you remember I told you I was tone deaf? I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. She said, well, she said, when I got out of the building, when I went out the double doors, something popped inside my ears. She's been tone deaf for her entire life. And she said, instantly, I could recognize tone. She said, I learned to play guitar in the last nine months. I've written several songs, and I lead worship in our 500-member Vineyard Church. See, what's the point? The point is, grace gives you the ability to do what you couldn't do one second before you heard it. What is a prophecy? I'd like to propose to you that when you prophesy, you know, you know it's like, like dramatizing it doesn't make it a prophecy. Brother, I see the Lord says unto you. It's like, that's all good. You know, it's all, it's, the drama's all good. Or, you know, whatever, whatever your deal is. Shaba if you need. I don't care. But what makes a prophecy a prophecy? Let's say that, you, that your words are red. It's just a metaphor. Your words are red. But on the red, there's blue. See, what makes a prophecy a prophecy is that there's blue on the red. The blue makes the red happen. You can say amazing things. You can even say, the Lord says. If it's not the Lord, there's no blue on the red. The blue is the ability to make the red happen. Are you following me? So what I'm getting at is this. Is that, is that Paul tells Timothy... You received gifts through impartation. Did you get it? Through impartation, you received gifts. And those gifts give you abilities. And Tim, you need to do something with what was given to you. Are you following me? Um, Tom, come up here.
grab grab a mic. Matthew chapter 7 says, Ask, and it shall be. Seek, and you shall. Knock, and the door shall be. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, shall find. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. What shall, or what manner of man among you, when his son says to him, Give me a loaf of bread, gives him a stone? Or what if he says to him, he asks him for a fish, will you give him a snake? Not a steak, a snake. Sorry. (laughs) It could be a snake, snake. If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask? How do we get gifts? I'm giftless. I have no idea. You ask. What would you like? I'd love a hammer. You'd like a hammer? I want a hammer. Here's a rock. It's a rock for you. There's a rock. What am I going to do with this? You're going to use it on your head. <laughs> so anything else you'd like? I'd love a screwdriver. Screwdriver? I got a stick. A stick. Here's a stick for you. Awesome. You like that stick? No. It's not okay. what I asked for, man. But you know, you just got to be thankful what God gives thankful? you, brother. All right. I'll, is this going to humble some me? Some people that just, they're just, they're just not very gifted. Is this to keep me humble? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe... A... What else do you like? I'd love a, uh, you know, I'd love a five-eighths wrench. Yeah, there's a wrench for you. That's not a yep, five-eighths. And, uh, yeah, and here's a screwdriver. I didn't want a screwdriver. Yeah, well, you got one anyway. I didn't ask Sometimes for Sometimes you got to get things you don't even ask or seek. I don't want a tape measure. And here's a tape measure for you. I want a you. saw. Yeah, saw? I yeah. asked for a saw. Yeah, That's you what... got a problem there because I got no saw. I want a ratchet set. You got but a ratchet here, set in there? you seem to be off a bubble. <laughs> so it's a level for you. I have no use for that. Yeah, you That's have. not in my heart at just all. Just do what most Christians do, just I show don't them off. I desire that. Okay. I don't really. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you want to see my wrenches? This is what we do in Compton. I got these wrenches. What are your wrenches? Oh, you got a tape measure. I'll swap you two of these for one of those. There we go. Yep. Oh, you got a 25 footer. Mine's a 40. Yeah. Yes. I look good. I don't know what to do with it, but I look good, right? Yeah, that's why I look good. That's all that matters. matters. When you're a Christian, you just need to show up with some just gifts. Just about looking good. Nobody really used them anyway, but they just see that shiny things, shiny things. I don't know what to do with it, but I can style it. You like to style? I can rock it. Can I have my tools? It matches back? my Thank new you. shoes. You like? How many know? How do I get gifts? I ask for them. I want to be an apostle. I want to be a prophet. Really? Why do you want to be the guy who hands out the equipment? Wouldn't you rather... Thank you, Tom. You did great. Sort of. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, prophet, and teacher, what do they do? They equip the saints. How many know they hand out equipment? You're, you're the people who actually get to do this stuff. Jesus didn't say, these signs will follow the apostles who believe. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. Well, how do I get more equipment? Do something with what you got. You know, there's this dichotomy in the, in the Bible. You know, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That's Romans 11. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Now, on one hand, Paul says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. But then we have several other verses, like the parables, where Jesus talks about the minus and the talents. Do you remember that? Are you bored now? The minus and the talents. <laughs> I lost you someplace out there. I know you're out there somewhere. 
There's a story of the mina and the talents, and the guy that had one talent did nothing with it. Do you remember that? And he got, and that talent went to someone who did the most with it. But what I'm getting at is this: is that when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, "Take the gift that you received and do something with it." Until your progress is evident by everyone. Like everyone notices that you're progressing. I, I watch our team. I, I, I really, really love the equipping part of my job. Like it's, my, it's actually my favorite part of my job. And I love when people do something with what they got. I was listening to uh, my son Jay went to a particular place last week. And he was there about nine months ago. And he taught them all, these, all this stuff. And when he went back this last week, he was telling us uh, in staff meeting... You know, they actually changed the building. They were building a building. They actually added two rooms on to do what Jay said that they needed to do. And they had posters with his quotes on them. And they were doing all this stuff with them. It's like, you know, I personally, I've spoken to crowds, 60,000 people. It's the largest crowd I ever spoke to. And I'm like, it's all good. But I'd rather speak to 50 people who value what I'm giving them and are going to do something with it. In our environment, I have lots of champions in, 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 in my environment, and I, I love them all. The one that stands out in my mind right now is Lindsay Coyle. I love Lindsay, and she's, I would say she's the most improved player in our environment. We had Sean Boltz come 10 times in 12 months. And the, the people, you know, the leaders were saying, I'd love to have Sean come to my this thing, and someone else would say, what do you think about me having Sean here? And we ended up with Sean 10 times in one, in one year. I, I really felt the Lord emphasize Sean's gift. You know, this incredible word of knowledge. He's calling out people's addresses and phone numbers. And, and I watched Lindsay. I remember having a conversation with Lindsay. That was about two years ago. I remember having a conversation about Lindsay about, about the fourth or fifth time Sean was in, came in. And she was telling me how enamored she was by his gift and how she felt pulled into something bigger, like she was growing. And little by little, I began to hear about Lindsay on my team. And they're like, oh, Lindsay got up in front of the students today, and she called four of them out by name, and she, she had the phone number of two of them and their address of another. And I, I'm like, it wasn't one person. It was like, right, Barbara? It's like, I started hearing all these stories. So one day, this is probably the end of last year, uh, school ministry, so a few months ago, I came in a little bit late, and they had Lindsay come up to just demonstrate prophecy. And while I was in the room, she was like, call, she called, I have this name. And somebody stood up and she goes, I have four mother names. She goes, those are the names of my children. And I have this address. That's the address we live at. I have this number. That's our phone number. And I'm standing there. I'm like, this is the first time I've experienced Lindsay. I've heard about it, but I haven't experienced it. And I'm, I'm sitting on the front row and she's like, oh, you're here. And I'm like, keep going. I, so I got up on, on the stage with her and I'm, I'm, I'm with her. And I'm like, so I, I said, well, we'll minister together. So she calls someone out by name, another person out by name, tells them this whole thing about their phone, phone number, their address. And I'm like, you're a man. <laughs> There's someone in here, you have glasses, and it, it's, you need them for both eyes. I mean, I was so excited. Like, here's one of my daughters, my spiritual daughters, and she's growing beyond me. I'm like, how do you get more excited than that? And I'm jealous. In a good way, I'm like, I told her when she got, before I got down, I said, would you put your hands on me and give me that thing? And, and I'm like, this is, what Paul, this is what Paul's telling Timothy about. Like, don't just get tools. Build something. Do something with what God gives you. Like, be responsible to do something with what God gives you. It's just not just shiny things we show one another or bring to a conference or tell other people about. It's something we're building the kingdom with. Are you with me? 
there's something about this responsibility that we're to take. And I remember this, my infamous bathtub story. Please, prophetic people, do not imagine. <laughs> when, the, when Jesus walked through the wall and I had this vision of him, it's, it's only happened once. I just tell it all the time. So it sounds like Chris has lots of visions. <laughs> and the Lord told me, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. You're going to speak to kings and mayors and governors and presidents and prime ministers, and you're going to bring the kingdom into governments, into nations. And then when he turned to go, he turned back to me. You might remember this if you've heard this before. And he said to me, and history will tell us if you believe me. History will tell us if you believe me. I mean, this is the first time I, I understood that the Lord's going to do things for me, but he wants to do things with me. He said to me, history will tell us if you believe me. In other words, at the end of time, we're going to look back and we're going to see if you had the full impact you were equipped for. Because I equipped you to do this. And if you just do this, it won't be my fault. It'll be about you. Number four, you have to take responsibility to take care of yourself. So you can take care of others. Watch over your teaching, he said to him. Watch over yourself and your teaching. For as you do, you'll ensure salvation for yourself and for those who hear you. Listen, no one else is responsible for you, only you. Pastor Bill's my leader 39 years, but how many know he doesn't know what I need? He can't look inside of me. He can't figure out I'm tired, I need rest, or I need encouragement, or I need this or that. How many know if I'm going to grow, I have to get it myself? We say to our students, that if you're a student, you've heard this already. If you do your homework so you won't get in trouble, you haven't taken ownership of your life, you've left it with us. And you're not going to grow as long as I'm an owner of your life. And by the way, I don't want ownership of you. I don't even want to rent you. <laughs> what I'm getting at is this. Do your homework so you'll grow you. Walk in the room and say, I'm going to get everything I can get out of this room. Come Sunday morning you know, and say... This morning, I'm going to get something new. I'm going to get equipped. Something's going to be imparted. I'm in the room with someone who's gifted. It may be the person sitting next to you or the speaker who's speaking. I didn't come here to critique the message. I didn't come here to say, I didn't like that part or I don't agree with that. Just take the part you like and don't bring a little shot glass. I mean, I didn't finish that. When you come to the fountain, your faith determines how much you get. How many know he gives the spirit without measure, so the measure's on your side. You can be like the widow who brought 10 jars, or you can be like the widow who brought 1,000 jars. It's not going to stop flowing until you decide to not contain it anymore. So when you come, come ready. Prepare your heart when you come to church. Prepare your heart when you're in the presence of a, a woman of God or a man of God or someone who has more than you. And sit with those people and get everything you can. I've come prepared. Just like I get up in the morning and I make sure I'm looking good on the outside, I'm prepared for the day. When I sit with a man of God, a woman of God, an elder, somebody who has something more than I do, I get lower too. I, I position myself in honor. Are you with me? I'm not talking about being a slave or anything like that. I'm just talking about I'm honoring the gift on that person. I'm saying, you know, if you, if you honor your mother and father, you receive life. I'm like, I am casting a highway up and I'm getting underneath that Psalms 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the ointment, the oil from the top. How many of you know you can be at the top of the head or the bottom of the foot and you get the same anointing if you get in line? And I'm getting in line 
Because I'm going to receive, and I, I'm preparing myself to receive. I'm not here to critique the movie. I'm not here to critique the actors. There ain't no actors in here. It's just all real people with flaws and faults, and they don't get everything perfect. And you have to weed through that and go, I like that right there. I'm taking that. My heart burned when he said that. My heart burned when she prayed for me this morning. Something happened to me, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to find out what tool I got, and I'm going to start using it. That's what I'm going to do. People sometimes say crazy stuff, you know. You've heard it too. Well, I go to that church, and they just don't feed me. Well, let me say something. If you're six months old, that's okay. We get you, and they should be taking care of you. But if you're six years old, get over yourself. I'm saying this is that I'm a victim. Like, do you have a Bible? Yes. Can you read? Yes. I'm not sure what your problem is. I mean, you go into McDonald's, you're like, um, I'd like to have a hamburger. Who's going to feed me? I'm like, really? Really? And I'm saying, we have to get out of, someone's going to take care of me. It's your job to make sure I grow. No, I'm sorry. It's your job to make sure you grow. And by the way, by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the baby toe or the head. We need you to be fully you. Look, I'm just the baby toe. I'm insignificant. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about you till we cut you off. Do you know these NBA players? It's so funny to me. It's like they get turf toe and hurdy toe, and, and they get paid $10 million to play, and their, their toe hurts. I'm like, if I was playing, I say to the Lord, Lord, if you made me that good, even now, 62, I think I'm NBA-ish. I have, I have the tenacity and the drive, and I persevere. Lord, if I had turf toe, I'd cut my toes off, and I'd play with a wood foot. I'm simply saying, you don't think you're important. You're important. It doesn't matter if you're the toe or if you're the hand or you're the knee. You matter. And listen, if you don't show up, it costs someone else. Let me say this one more time. If you don't show up, somebody, maybe they don't even know it. Maybe they came hungry. Maybe they came broken. And they sat right next to you. And you were supposed to be to them the grace they needed for that moment. You were supposed to be it, but you maybe were in, your, in feel sorry for yourself mode. Or I'm bloated and I wore the wrong color. <laughs> and instead of giving them what they needed, you were self-absorbed. Come on, we've all been there before, right? I've been there too. And it's like, I'm so absorbed in my, what I'm not, in my deficiency, or in I'm not feeling so good, or I'm in a bad mood. And, and God goes, I stationed this person next to you so that you would give them grace for the thing they're going through. I sat them right next to you, and you were in, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, I'm a victim. And you didn't deliver the grace you were supposed to deliver. Timothy, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your teaching for two reasons. It will ensure salvation for you and all the other people I've brought to listen to you. Come ready to be equipped to change the world. You're not here to fill seats or to show off your shiny things. We're here to get grace, not even for one another mostly, but so that we can go out there in graceless land 
and say to the fearful, don't be afraid. Here's the word of the Lord. To our neighbor who doesn't yet know the Lord, I've been talking to the father and he says he's got this handled. Your son's going to be fine. To the sick, um, can I touch that right now? There's a special gift the Lord's given to me and I want to give it to you. I want you to be healed right now. And we just begin to go out in graceless land and we bring grace to people. Could you stand, please? There's people in this room this morning. You don't know the Lord. And it's so it's amazing that you're here. Like, we're so excited that you're here. Uh, most of us ended up, like, hijacked, like, the same way you're here. Or maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. Like, you used to walk with the Lord, and, and you're not walking with the Lord now. But you showed up here today. Listen, there may be 50 reasons why you think you came here. But the Holy Spirit will use all of those to get you here at the right time. And I'd like to ask, if you, if you don't know the Lord, or if you've walked away from the Lord, would you just raise your hand? We'd like to pray with you. And like, we're, this, the angels themselves, the Bible says, stop. Yeah, we just bless you right there in Jesus' name. Is there someone else? You, like, you've come here today, and you're like, I, I need to know the Lord. I need this grace in my life. I've tried it myself, and, it, that, and I, I, that, that preacher guy, he's right. I tried it. It doesn't work by myself. I need help. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? And maybe you're watching by Bethel TV. Just do the same. Just stand in your, in your front room or wherever you're at, and just, and just as a prophetic act, I raise my hand. That's me. I'm in. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? I'll just give you one more minute. Look around the room. Good. We have a team right over here. If, if you raised your hand and if you brought them, would you just please, good, thank you very much. God bless you. Would you just come down and just meet with these folks? If you brought them, would you just come with them? So good. So good. Come on. Come right over here and just meet with these folks. Right over here. God bless you guys. Thank you guys so much. It's a lot of courage. God bless you. Woohoo! All right, put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. And just say this Father, I thank you for all the equipment and all the gifts you've given to me. And today I dedicate myself to giving time to proactively growing myself. So that everybody that knows me can actually see and experience that I am growing in God. And Lord, I pray that you give me more gifts so I could help more people to prosper and to be in good health. And God, I bless you for what you've given me today. And I promise to steward it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. So good. Powerful. Hey, if we could have ministry team come forward and uh, just line up up front here. We want to pray for anybody here who's in need of a miracle or you're just looking for prayer for your life. We'd love to do that. And so, so honored. Can we just give Chris another big hand? That was amazing. So thankful. So thankful. So, all right. Hey, we've got Todd White's preaching tonight here. So you do not want to miss it. If you can't be here, watch it online. I promise you will never be the same again. 
you'll be messed up in a really, really good way. So God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up front. If not, we'll see you later. Have a great day. Scarred heads, you will be my son.